In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we hear of the vineyard, the vineyard that produced no good fruit, being destroyed, when we hear that proclaimed in the Old Testament reading and in the Gospel reading, God is prompting us to contemplate the possibility of failure. Not to meditate on it. St. Paul makes it very clear. We meditate, we focus our attention on what's good, honorable, true, just, pure, lovely, gracious, excellent, worthy of praise. But before we get there, we need to consider the possibility of failure. Now, after eight and two-thirds innings of tasting victory and nine and a third inning of uh, agony, it shouldn't be very hard for us to consider the possibility of failure. But as believers, failure means only one thing. Failure means damnation. It's the only thing that we dread. We can endure any other suffering, any other pain, any other privation, and know that it's temporary, that it can make us grow in merit, help us become better sons and daughters of God, afford us an opportunity to offer up a sacrifice. But the only thing that we ought to dread is being separated from God forever. On the altar, we pray that he spare us from damnation, that he count us among the chosen ones. Some people don't want to contemplate or consider the possibility of hell. Some because they just think it's just impossible. God's just nice, right? God just wants everyone to go to heaven. So it's not even worth, you know, why do we even talk in such terms? It's not clear to me that these people have ever read the gospel or have anything but a greeting card image of Jesus Christ. So we can, we can gently introduce them to the, to, the, to the reality of Jesus, what he actually did and what he actually said, what he warned us against. Now, there are those who acknowledge the reality of hell, but don't in any way want to think that it's possible for them at all. Because they're nice, right? I'm nice. God would never send a nice person to hell. Or because of their, you know, their bloodlines. My parents were so holy. My parents said so many prayers. I can't imagine the possibility that, that they wouldn't be able to be in heaven with their children. Contemplating the possibility of failure as a Christian, meaning damnation, also means contemplating the possibility of people we love being perfectly so filled with God's glory and grace and be totally happy even if we're not with them. 
considering the possibility of failure, more immediately should help those of us who are serious about trying to be Christian to listen to the message that the prophet Isaiah and our Lord and Savior deliver. The destruction of the vineyard didn't follow upon the vineyard workers rebelling and revolting. As much as the vineyard didn't produce the fruit it was supposed to produce. It was supposed to be good for something. Not just pretty and a postcard. Our Lord takes up this message. The three servants who are given the talents and different quantities granted resulted in two of them being praised and rewarded because what they were given, they put to good use. It bore fruit. The one who was condemned just saved what he was given. Didn't do anything with it. He didn't get rid of it. He didn't lose it. He just didn't do anything with it. And so each and every one of us has a vocation. We are baptized. We are adopted sons and daughters of God. It is not only an identity and a claim to fame. It is that, to be a child of God. It's also a mandate to bear fruit, to be a a living witness of God in the world. And so that then can, can help us to contemplate the things that will never fail, namely God and his promises. If we remain in him, he will remain in us and he will bear fruit through us. It's not like a science fair project where we have to think of something and come up with it and then get our parents to do it for us. No, actually it is sort of like that. Because it's God who bears fruit through us. All we have to do is be faithful to him. And good, good things coming from it will be evidence of the fact that, that we have a living relationship with him. That when we pray, something happens. When we speak, people hear the truth. Along those lines, it's good to consider other things that won't fail among God's promises, namely his church. His church will never fail. Individuals will. Judas did. Others have. But the church, the body of Christ, under the head of Peter, will never fail. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Today in our prayers, and then for for quite a few more days, we'll be offering up prayers for the extraordinary 
assembly that's taking place in Rome. We heard about this a year ago. The Pope asked for prayers and input. And now he asks for our prayers. Not because, it, not because the church might fail, but because this particular meeting of bishops, that could fail. That's possible. The church won't. The truth will never change. And the Holy Spirit has been guaranteed by our Lord to preserve Peter. And we understand as Catholics that it means that the Pope, will, when he uses his authority as the vicar of Christ, will teach the truth. We saw a useless drama decades ago when the newspapers proclaimed that the church will finally change its teaching on contraception. It was a waste of time. And that particular meeting of experts was also largely a waste of time. So that, that can happen, but the truth won't change. We have quite a few friends, or those who are friendly to us, who have, who have written articles about the, the meeting in Rome and, and how um, the forces of good and the forces of evil are out in the open. It's quite interesting. The headlines that the, the secular newspapers uh, are putting in front of us are foretelling uh, what would actually be failure. So on one, one major news source this morning is proclaiming the headline that the church is contemplating changing its social dogmas, which of course is nonsense. That would be equivalent to proclaiming that Jesus is contemplating changing the truth. Can't happen. We have already considered the possibility of our own personal failure. We've already ruled out going down any road that will lead to that. We've chosen to follow God. We've chosen to bank on his promises. And we know that his promises are true. We know that if the church would have been ruined by human machinations, it would have been devastated 2,000 years ago. The church truly is the bride of Christ. That, in that, we need to have no fear. One realistic possible intervention that, that's being considered is somehow modifying the annulment process. Maybe you've read about that. And that's possible. And there are those of us of, of good faith who, who would have recommendations along those lines. But if someone presents to you the specter of, of the church changing things such that we have de facto uh, no-fault divorce, all you have to do is point out that in most of the world, that already exists, where you can just buy your annulment or just ask for it, and it's given to you for free. We are very familiar as faithful Catholics. We are very familiar with the discrepancy between the truths of the church and corrupt practice. That's not new. That shouldn't, it shouldn't get us nervous. It shouldn't make us upset, but it shouldn't make us nervous. God is faithful. 
And in the same way that the church stands in the breach against everything evil, human and angelic, with total confidence in her Savior, that means we too as individuals have to have that same courage and that same confidence. I know the truth and the truth won't change. And even if it seems as though the the ground is shifting underneath me, I won't move. Because God is faithful to his promises. Because God is truth. And so we can turn to the cross and know that, that, that Christ died to save me from failure. Christ died to save me from being separated from him forever. And so my confidence... My steadfastness, my courage isn't based on thinking that I uniquely have some personal privilege, some, some personal winsomeness that means that I will always succeed. Rather, as a very humble, converted sinner, I know that the only thing in which I have to boast is the cross. And the cross is planted firmly in human history. And those of us who draw our faith from what happened there will, will always prevail. These themes of, of pending doom and its alternative, they will continue. As it happens in the last weeks of the year leading up to Advent, our readings will turn to the end of things, the end of my life, the end of the world. And it will afford us an opportunity to be, to be reminded of that which will change and that which will be deprived of us and that which will remain forever. And so today at this altar, we know that our Lord communicates himself to us in such a way that we can even begin to taste and enjoy what will last forever. Praise be to God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>